When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Own the Microphone. Join me, Bridget McGowan, an award-winning international professional speaker and owner of the independent publishing company, BMAC Talks Press. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Own the Microphone. I am Bridget McGowan and I am joined by Cornelius, better known as Neil Dowdo. Do I have your name right? Is it Dowdale? It is Dowdale. Thank you for pronouncing it right. Okay. And I meant to ask before the recording, but hey, we're going to use this as a teachable moment, everyone. (laughs) <laughs> in podcast land if there's ever a question about how to pronounce a person's name just ask so cornelius neil dowdell welcome to the show <laughs> thank you thank you for the invitation i'm excited to be here i am too you know you and i met up at a conference in late july in virginia and that was when i said you've got to be on the show but you're speaking and you're traveling and you're consulting and you're doing leadership events and so on until this was the first chance we got months um, later. I was looking at your calendar for the open spots and I said, oh no, I guess I'm gonna have to wait till October because I was, <laughs> you know, booked and busy from, from that point on, July no, on. Yes. No, wait a minute. What did we say? Booked, oh, busy, and what? And banking. Yes. Booked, oh. busy, and banking. Yes. There we and go. We're replacing paid with banking today. That's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we like alliteration. We like alliteration. Yes. Now, Neil, how did you get into speaking? Uh, that's a really good question. Um, I'll say maybe about four or five years ago when I transitioned into being a full-time consultant, Um. Through ATD, people started asking me to speak at smaller chapter events, um, just really based on, and it was really around operational improvement. I was really helping smaller chapters um, optimize. Um, And then they found out that I did leadership development training and facilitation. So around that, around those parts, then I moved into speaking. People started asking me to come speak for workshops or engagements, and then I uh, then ATD reached out for ATD Core 4, I think maybe about two years ago. That was my first large speaking engagement that I had. And I was really excited because I was in San Antonio. Richard, you was in San Antonio as well, right? I believe. July of 2022? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. I was. Yes. yes. So that was, um, I was speaking there, but not on a national stage like that um, until then. So that really was my first opportunity. And um had a, you know, I thought it was only gonna be like 30, 40 people in my room and ended up being about a hundred. So, you know, as I was walking to the stage to get on there, I was changing my presentation in my head because it was meant for a small group, not a group of a hundred. So, you know, just being able to think on my feet was is something that I, I am proud that I have the skill to do. Um, and then making it conversational. That's one of the things, but that was around the first. That was the first major engagement. The other part, other engagements were really small, local, yeah. either in the community here in Atlanta or in Baton Rouge, where I 
spent most of my life in Louisiana there. So small events um, for my fraternity brothers and whatnot, but beyond that. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions based on that answer. One, I'm going to ask you how did you change the presentation when you saw the size was quadruple or triple or quadruple the size that you were anticipating? So that's one question I'll ask in a, in a minute. For the listeners, I want to clarify, when Neil talked about ATD, it is an organization that he and, he and I both love. I think I am speaking pretty accurately. Yes. And this is not just smoke or lip service or anything like that. We are not getting compensated by ATD to say that we love them, but ATD stands for the Association for Talent Development. I learned about it back when I used to work at an, an ed tech company. Mm-hmm. And I heard there was some conference where training type people and facilitator type people went to, to just be better speakers, better trainers, know how to deliver workshops more effectively and, and just really impact the training industry. So I think I went to that conference, oh my goodness, maybe around 2012 or something like that. And it was called the American Society for Talent Development, I believe, ASTD. (laughs) And then people would mistake you for thinking you were going to an STD conference. Come on, STDs, STDs. Oh my gosh. You know, or if people people think you're going to an ADT conference. So they, you know, (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The security company, right? The security but, company. Like, oh, you were in security and safety? <laughs> no, it's ATD, the Association for Talent Development. Amazing organization. So if you are in training and development or if you're in learning and development, if you do presentations or you, you work to develop the talent at your company and you're not part of ATD or you're not attending their events, please go check them out. Uh, I always have a fabulous time, both speaking as well as engaging with all of the participants now i would like to say that uh an ad find your local chapter yes most states there's about a minimum of one chapter or a regional chapter find your local chapter and get involved Uh, i serve as the uh, national advisor of chapters so i'm one of about 20 NACs. um so so nac stands for national advisor of chapters and um, i advise chapters throughout the united states so right now my region is in, in the northeast um, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and last year it was California. Well, it was Nevada. It was the mid, it was the West, the West in the Upper West, uh, Northwest, uh, as far as Oregon and um, and the chapters that are in those areas. And you learn so much about the business of talent development because you're now working directly with um, industry leaders in their communities. Um, so that's where those speaking opportunities came from, honestly. It was after getting to know them and supporting those chapters, it was them that said, well, hey, Neil, I like that you led our our strategic planning session. Do you mind coming and speaking to my organization about strategic planning? Do you mind talking to my organization about leadership and development? And for me, that was what made it so real that I was like, oh, people want me to come and speak to them (laughs) in their organization. And so, and then, and it helped that I was writing articles for ATD as well. So um, the article that I wrote called Ditch the Slides was the premise of the workshop that I did back in 2022 for the ATD Core 4 conference. So I wrote that article and then they asked me to come speak on it specifically for those who are in the facilitation and training arm. 
and um, talking about one of those questions, you were asking how do, how am I uh, how did I adapt the uh, presentation to the larger audience? I'm actually writing another article for ATD that probably is going to start. I'm probably going to come out in spring 2024, and it's on agile facilitation because that was something that I had to practice. That was something that I recognized that hey, one I didn't have enough handouts, so. I had an activity that was going to be in um, that was going to be good for a group of 50, but then I seen that I was like, oh, I have more than 50. So as I'm walking to the stage, I'm like, well, put this off to the side. Not <laughs> gonna use this. Now, what way can I still get engagement? What ways can I still get engagement and still get the point that, hey, you don't need PowerPoint or slides to deliver training, to speak in keynote. Keynote speakers do it all the time. Most of the time, they don't have anything in the background. It's just them. So leaning into your expertise, leaning into the things that you know that are true is what carries you throughout the whole project itself. Um, and that's what I did. I was like, well, this whole presentation was about ditching the slides. Guess I'm going to have to ditch, this, uh, ditch the slides, ditch the presentation, and really make it engaging. And that's what we did. We got up there. We, I divided the room into um, smaller table groups. Um, so like that, and then taking a, taking a note out of Sardique Love's book, of source, like asking an open-ended question. It normally starts with what? So creating the engagement, creating the, the, the curiosity around, you know, facilitation and do I really need the PowerPoint? And a lot of us think we do need PowerPoint. It does keep us structured. It does provide timing, but the true essence of learning and development in the classroom is really about the experiential components of it. So how can I get them to experience what I want them to modify or change? So if purpose of going to training is because there is behaviors in which we want to modify, change, improve, enhance, or hey, maybe even re-experience. So my goal is to figure out how can I make the training so experiential that you get to practice before you leave. And that's what I did. And so I'm like, well, they don't have PowerPoints in at those tables. Why not just put together a small little presentation? We have an hour. And then I called on some groups to actually do some do small little presentations or ways they've made their trainings in engaging without PowerPoint. Because there was been plenty of times I showed up to, to present. And um, one, either technology wasn't working or I was in a room that wasn't conducive to what I was trying to do. Um, and nothing against us, but sometimes as facilitators, we show up because of all the travel that we do. And we have to work with what we have in the classroom. I love how you practiced what you preached, right? I love how you, the fact that you had this presentation that was ditch the slides and you were like, okay, and we are going to do just that. And you did that. And it's really just being comfortable and going with the flow, right? Yep. yep. Cornelius Neal Dowdell is a sought after high potential professional focusing on talent development, human capital management, and operational efficiency. Neil has more than 20 years of experience consulting and supporting small to large organizations, and he's renowned for his ability to develop potential leaders, streamline operational processes, and create value within organizations. He believes that we all have inspired strengths and gifts, and that we should maximize 
in our life's work, those gifts and strengths, which led him to become an entrepreneur. He started his own company, which is called the Nelius Strategy. Yes. Cornelius earned a bachelor's degree in political science from Louisiana State University and an MBA from Capella. He is certified in everything, DIS, <laughs> problem-solving, leadership, and management development, Lean Six Six Sigma, and communication. Uh, definitely visit his website, and you're going to love his website, thebestworkplace.com. Find out more, find out more about Neil, about his partners, about his team, what they do, the services that they provide. I mean, the best workplace, who doesn't want to say they have the best workplace? And Check our slogan is our name, is our goal. <laughs> help mean, create the best workplace. Make it simple, make, yes. make it easy. Back when, let's say you were, when you were in college or when you were working on your master's, was that part of the plan to be a speaker? It was not part of the plan, honestly. Um, when I was in college, I wanted to be, I wanted to work for the FBI and the CIA. I was a stone, I was a hardcore political science major. And, you know, I had one of those dreams of being a, you know, an international spy or working in an embassy and really supporting our American citizens throughout the world. Um, and as I transitioned into corporate America, um, so I realized that, you know, those are great dreams, but, you know, getting into the CIA or the FBI is actually really hard to do. Um, I actually made it to the end. Um, I was going to go to Langley, um, but life happened. You know, I had my, I had a child on the way. And so I needed a full-time job and apparently I needed to be present to raise the child as well. And that was going to require me. I was like, okay, let me rethink something. So I ended up taking a job in as a federal contractor with the Department of State um, for um, for passport services in New Orleans. And I spent five years there. And that's actually where I learned, I did my first training event on customer service, um, internal and external customer service. So as a federal contractor, we have to maintain the relationship with our government clients. And there was some, there were some issues going on between both groups. And so, so I actually put together a training around customer service on how to treat your internal client, external clients, and how to build better and stronger relationships. That turned out to be a really good training of about two, 300 people when we did a rotation. And that's what piqued my interest. I was already in the process of getting my Lean Six Sigma um, green belt at that time because we were in process improvement. And I ran um, the customer service and the book processing component with your passport. Most people don't know that um, your passport book, the paper is actually the same paper that the American $100 bill was printed on. And um, so, yeah. Really? Yes, yeah, full of all the securities too. So you're not gonna be able to duplicate it. But um, yeah, so I was really ingrained in operational efficiency and process improvement there. So not only did I run customer service, but I also did the um, book processing, quality checks and quality control components of it. Um, so I thought I was going to be in that pace for a while. Um, but once I got, I did that one training, I got really good feedback and evals. Um, I wasn't job searching, but one of my old professors from LSU reached out to me and he said, hey, my neighbor um, is looking for someone to fill this role at LSU. Are you interested? He's seen your profile on LinkedIn. This is when LinkedIn just started, y'all. And so... <laughs> 
And I was like, oh, he found my profile. He's like, well, you think he might be interested? I said, he's your neighbor. He's like, yeah, he's standing right here. He walked out his door and came and knocked on my door and said, do you think Cornelius would be interested in this role? I like his background. And that's how I ended up in continuing education in higher ed. And in continuing ed, I was working with a lot of trainers and facilitators, but in the background, I was on the operational part, whereas I helped with help them put their programs together, uh, materials, course materials, and them going out into the public to deliver these open enrollment classes or corporate classes. So I started building my network of trainers and facilitators. And I was like, why can't I do this? I've been doing, I've done this once. So I sat back for about three, four years watching, learning, um, and trying to figure out how I can do it. And I noticed that all of the continuing education professor um, instructors, only a handful were professors, but most of them were independent contractors, subject matter experts in their own right. Um, and they had their own 1099. So that's when I realized what a 1099 employee was versus a 1099 contractor was, and really starting to put it together. Um, that same director that I had at LSU got a phone call from a colleague at Emory University's continuing education program and said, hey, we're having a hard time filling our program manager role here. Mind you, I applied for that role six months ago. Apparently my resume didn't make it through the applicant tracking system. But well, now... <laughs> now, I didn't need the applicant tracking system. I had a direct connection. So he was like, are you interested in moving to Atlanta? I know you said you wanted to. And now at that time I was going through a divorce and I was like, well, if I'm gonna make a change, I'm gonna make it now. Um, and moved and transitioned into continuing ed at Emory University running corporate learning and development. So I worked with, I, again, I worked with a lot of trainers, facilitators, instructional designers, and that's when I got heavily involved in ATD. But I was always looking and searching for facilitators. But most people don't think about if a facilitator doesn't show up because they're sick and I have a contract that needs to be fulfilled, guess who had to step in and facilitate the classes? Me. I already knew the content. So and that's how I got into doing a lot of corporate gigs and working with um, learning and development departments and sales teams and a variety array of different content. So I realized that as a trainer and facilitator and a subject matter expert, I coined that, that being in the space of leadership and development and that in itself turned into a lot of other opportunities. So I was doing business development work, which is my other specialty. I actually I like building relationships and expanding and growing programs and services and products. Um, and so my goal, my the job at Emory was for me to grow our continuing education corporate learning programs by expanding them nationwide. Um, so we were very successful doing that. Um, and after I left Emory, um, I took on, a, I left Emory for a, an opportunity that allowed for me to facilitate and train more um, more frequently. And that's when the Neelia strategy was created um, to do more of that work. And then the best workplace was created as a partnership because two of the facilitators at Emory, um, we were hiring each other to do things. Literally just, we were moving money around, but legally. Labrita was hiring me to teach for her. Jonathan would found himself double booked during COVID and he was like, hey, Neil, teach this class for me. So, and it just propelled after that. And then I was like, well, we need to expand, you know? And so we were like, well, why don't we do this all under one umbrella? So the best workplace was created then. Back uh, really 2020, 
2022. Uh, that's when the best workplace was created. And we've been growing steadily ever since. But also during that is when the articles for ATD, the establishment of my brand and getting involved in the, in, in the organization and understanding that I am a subject matter expert, because not only was I delivering the content, I have management experience. In New Orleans, I managed a team of about 80 people. Process improvement, understanding some things. And throughout all of that, I documented my growth through the different programs. At LSU, I completed their high potential leadership program there, did the same high potential, well, a similar high potential leadership program at Emory. Um, and then I was sitting in those classes like, I could teach these. And I went and got certified in a lot of the content so that I could teach them. And that was how we got to the point we are today. That's awesome. Complete tangent. I'm going to get back on track, but complete tangent. When you mentioned 1099, it made me think about something. So <laughs> over the weekend, our son plays football. He actually plays baseball and football, but over the weekend, he always has a game on Sundays. And when he's practicing, they have a one hour practice before the game. I walk the park and get my steps in. And as I'm walking, I see somebody with a Lamborghini. What? Yeah. Yeah. Lamborghini. Right. Lamborghini. Yeah. What did you say? You know, I, I said, come on now, Lambo. Uh, well, okay. And I said, who on a Sunday brings a Lamborghini, rolls in a Lamborghini to Pee Wee? Well, our son's nine. I don't think he would appreciate me calling it Pee Wee football, but whatever. Little League football. And then I see the license plate. Let me tell you, Neil, the license plate read 1099MNY. I said, I'm not mad at your 1099 money. Letting you know I'm self-employed. Self-employed. You look, Rolling. you know, for all the self-employed people out there, I, I, I can do nothing but support you because, you know, going into business for yourself, <laughs> look, it, that, it, takes, it takes a lot. It takes a lot yeah, of initiative. Yeah, yeah. It, takes, it challenges you. Um, I do some coaching with some business coaching with those who transition into yeah. being 1099s whether they transition willingly on their own or they're forced into it. Because, you know, COVID revealed a lot of different things um, for those who had full-time roles, who decided to want it part-time and they all wanted the flexibility. So, and I commend those who, are, who want to be 1099s or are 1099s because building your brand and your business isn't something that stops. It is 24 seven. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I love our neighborhood. It's so funny. I mean, uh, everybody is incredible. It's, I, that's, I'll just put it that way. Everybody mm -hmm. is incredible. So I shouldn't have been surprised to see a Lamborghini, I guess, at the car. But How that Lamborghini got paid for, though, you know, he, he made sure you knew. Just right, right. <laughs> Don't get it twisted. Mm -hmm. Now, I want you to think about whether it was a presentation at LSU, whether it was a pre presentation when you were, uh, all I can think about is the the passport book, yeah. <laughs> uh, or whether it's been with the best workplace. When you think about all of the presentations you've done, what do you think is your absolute favorite one, or what's an absolute favorite topic you have to present on? Absolute favorite topic. Um, so there is this essentials of leadership class. Yeah. That uh, when I helped, um, I supported in the design work of it when I was at Emory. Yeah. Um, 
And then I actually got the opportunity to facilitate. Actually, I was facilitating it this morning, mind you. Um, for yeah, you know, you know, got your eight to twelve and a half day. I love. Listen, I love your calendar because not only did you facilitate that and have this podcast interview, but you also had another appointment you were sharing with me and you were rolling in from. Look, I love look, your life. Love my life. Look, leave. I, look, I got off that virtual facilitation at noon and I shot down to downtown Atlanta in 20 minutes to go to a doctor's appointment and got back home in 20 minutes to be here by two o'clock. So, now, mind you, my voice is shot. So my voice was gone last week, yesterday, most of the training and something like that, but I mustered through. I got my little, I got my tea here, my honey. Um, so but no, the essentials of leadership. I like it's an it's an it's an initial leadership class. So knowing the audience, most of the time they are new leaders, new managers, or have been promoted to a role, and they're trying to transition from the technical expertise that they have to leading people. And the reason why I like that class or any variation of that class is because of the audience. It's nothing like seeing those aha moments go off in people's eyes, in their heads, when they realize that, oh, I've been telling them what to do, and that's the reason why they haven't been responding to me. Um, or i just been taking on the work and doing it myself, but not really truly leading through influence to get the work done through others so that you can see the big picture. Most of the time, when you are a leader and you're a new leader, you're so head down and focused on the work, but that's not your that's not your job anymore. Your job is to lead the people that are doing the work, meaning that your head has to be up and you have to be aware of what's going on, aware of the changes that are coming down the pipeline and how those changes are going to impact you and your team. Um, being, you know, really understanding where your employees are, your team is having those one-on-one -on -one conversations, coaching them through things. So these are all the skills that you're going to start developing. But in that first class, that essentials of leadership class really is an eye opener because that's the class that you're realizing that, oh, I have not been doing this right. I've been focusing on the, the what and how and not the who, the people. And so leadership itself is about leading not just oneself, but leading others. So I would say that is the, uh, that's the one class that I would say that I can teach all day, every day. And I can leverage any type of assessment to go along with it. Like, so I ingrain everything disc into it because again, leadership development is about self-awareness. So you add in those emotional intelligence components, self-awareness and social awareness um, as well. You get to the point where you want the individual to be self-aware where they currently are and where they're going. But you also want them to be socially aware because they need to know how to read and interact with people, with society. And all of that is ingrained into that one class itself. Wow. That I, I that sounds incredible. The class sounds absolutely amazing. What really caught my attention was how you you support people in making that transition from, you know, your subject matter, you know, your industry, you've got all the technical pieces down, but you need to go into leadership or you want to go into leadership and knowing the industry, knowing everything from A to Z is not enough. And so I like how you, you create that bridge yep. and part of it is soft skills. Part of it is that those intangibles that you can't necessarily get 
out of a textbook nope. that you can't necessarily get out of. Who has a whole MBA in leadership and development in HR? Me. I'm going to tell you one thing they didn't teach me in these classes. They didn't teach me nothing about these soft skills and frameworks that are out there. You know, so I just got um, certified in Corn Ferry's um, Leadership Architect. There are yeah. 38 competencies. Um, and mind you, I didn't need it. And so, but for the um, for a role that I have, they they wanted me to have it. So I went and got it. And no one really tells you about the soft or human skills and in, in developing them. You normally start developing them probably about halfway through your career. Because when you go to college, you're technically going to college to become a subject matter expert in the technical components of your career. There's nothing that prepares you to lead people unless you are actively involved in student organizations or you're actively involved in your community. And honestly, I'm doing a workshop later on tonight around career paths, building your own career path. My throat, I'm telling you, my voice is going to be shot. I'm not going to be able to speak at all tomorrow. <laughs> um, and it's really about creating and developing your own um, career paths because a traditional career path didn't work for me. And so I had too many um, interests that didn't align with the organization or any organization that I'm in. And so I can be in process improvement. And so I have an expertise in that and operations. I have an expertise in program management, leadership, human resources. I can be a whole HR person if I want, if I need to. And so that, you know, and that's separate from the leadership and development components. And I'm actually very good at business development and helping people grow and expand products and services. The only place that I realized I'll be able to do all of those at was at the Nelia strategy or the best workplace. How you doing? <laughs> <laughs> goodness I remember I said that one time to a colleague on the phone and he took it literally I'm doing well Bridget how are you <laughs> I'll never forget that. that was so funny it's like that was a rhetorical how you doing that was kind uh -huh. of like snap snap how you doing yes. oh, that, I love it I love it I love it I love it in a little bit you'll have an opportunity to ask me a question Neil for now I want to talk a little bit about how you said I got that certification I didn't need to get it I didn't have to get it but I just got it what role does on ongoing professional development and ongoing learning and development, what role do those play in your speaking and presenting and delivering workshops and so on? So, you know, learning is continuous. I yeah. believe in continuous learning and it's the only way that you're going to develop. I think my, my business partner, Jonathan said, he's like, the day you stop learning, that's the day you're probably going to start dying. So, you know, so taking that concept literally I'm like, you know, I'm always looking to, to learn new things. Um, so though I didn't need the Corn Ferry 360, um, well, I got the 360 certification as well for their feedback, but I didn't need the art leadership architect part. It was a great refresher though, of understanding the competencies that most organizations are um, evaluating when, for their employees and how it plant, how does those competencies play out in the organization? So now you're looking at organizational development. So thinking about how is the organization thinking strategically about its talent pool and its employees and how they support it. So when I think about upskilling myself, it looks different because I'm essentially upskilling myself to better improve in an organization or the employees in an organization. So, which is a lot different from being in an organization and trying to upskill for a different role. And so, 
And so now I have to be, my, my development looks different because sometimes my, the things I need to go get certified in, or I need exposure to is across multiple different industries. So though human resources is across all and leadership development is across all industries, every now and then I have to pull it, pull out my Lean Six Sigma belt because I'm working with the process improvement team and I have to work and I have to speak the language and lingo of, of lean or project management. And so sometimes I have to upskill in those areas so that I understand what's going on in the environment today. Like, you know, how agile is kind of replacing waterfall for project management. And so does that mean I go get certified in agile project PMI? Uh, no, no. And so I'm not going to use it that often. But that does mean that I maybe attend PMI meetings and build and grow my network there. So I have subject matter experts in that space to reach out that can support me in what I'm doing with my client. Tell our listeners what PMI stands for. Oh, Project Management Institute. There Project we go. Institute, yes. And the bottom line to that is to stay curious. I push our nine-year-old to do something different, whether we'll eat something different, go somewhere different, visit something different. I mean, read something different, whatever. At least once a week, I push him. Like we'll sit down and we'll talk about, okay, what's our new thing we're going to do this week? Stay curious in your industry there's some certification where it's like oh what is that oh I think I'll try that on but it's really about professionally growing yourself and well now I won't get into all of that but just professionally growing yourself okay Neil what is your question for me your question for you so you mentioned earlier that you was a publisher as well yes and so and I wanted to know I mentioned that off camera now what you talking about didn't I I didn't mention it what you Okay, go I mean, on. What you asked, you know, oh. you said any question. That's what you said. I did. You okay, did. I should know. I should have known better with you. Okay. <laughs> and I, the question is, how did you get into that? It seems that is another area of expertise, or think um, something that you do, another revenue stream, as as us uh, entrepreneurs would put it. And so, how did you do it? Because I have an additional revenue stream that I didn't even tell nobody about. But go ahead, go. Yeah, we gonna talk about your spices. I I, oh, I still got time. You see. <laughs> oh no i didn't branded content right here this right here is respect my meat this is the one <laughs> mm-hmm. everybody you, you can't see he's wearing a sweatshirt i didn't see the words underneath it i just saw a hand sign and i was thinking about asking you what the the hand symbol stood for i say yeah. Like, yeah you know whatever I, I i won't ask because ain't no telling right mm-hmm. but underneath it you can see it reads respect my meat we'll talk more about that seasoning the meat Mm. we'll talk more about that and his spices see uh uh-huh yeah you you trying to pull a fast one on me i got a fast one for you in return now publishing believe it or not Mm -hmm. atd had something to do with it yeah okay Okay. how you doing right so Back in 2018, I submitted a proposal to speak at their conference that was coming up in 2019 in D.C. Oprah was also going to be a speaker and was a speaker, right? And so when I received my letter from them, they said, thanks, but no thanks, essentially. It wasn't a yes, but it wasn't a no. They put me on a wait list. So I'm like, okay, well, whatever. I really didn't think it would get accepted because I submitted virtually the same proposal, virtually verbatim Mm -hmm. to the local ATD chapter. And they had written me with a flat no. So I was like, okay, well, forget about that. 
come March, early March of 2019, Neil, ATD wrote me and said, yes, we want you to speak. And do you have a book to sell? Now, I did not have a book, Neil, but I had been blogging for about three years on the topic that I was going to be speaking on. Let me tell you, I found me some editors, a graphic designer in Romania. And yes. <laughs> And we're still in touch. He's he's on my team now. Graphic designer in Romania. A little. Uh, what was what was the editor's name? Was it Isabel or Isabella? And we got to work. That was early March. That I pulled the best of the best from my blogs and my LinkedIn articles and all kinds of content I had been creating. Mm-hmm. And pulled it together. I created four sections based on what seemed to be the overarching themes from that content. And I created my book, Real Talk, What Other Experts Won't Tell You About How to Make Presentations That Sizzle. The book ends up selling out at the conference. So I said, okay, and I enjoyed the process. I got it done in less than a month, Neil. This was early March, this is around March 13th, 15th, something like that, Mm -hmm. that I got the call from ATD or the email. I finished that book on April 9th. 49 of 2019 later that year press 49 opened its the its its doors and so that's the story behind it and there's a little bit more to it but that's that's kind of the the highlights of it I but like yeah to hear that and the reason why I, I one of the reasons I asked is because um my business partner is writing a book on curiosity and he actually has finished it and so, yeah. so he's looking for a publisher and so I was going to send him to ATD to see about if they would, would be willing to do it. But I wanted to have a conversation with him. But when you brought it up, I was like, well, if I got a publisher right here in my own backyard, why not? <laughs> and I love the fact that it's about curiosity, because as yes. you just heard, I mean, that is part of our household. We are not doing the same thing over and over again. And I want to create for our son a mm-hmm. lifestyle of don't just learn something and be comfortable with that. Don't just stay stuck. But I would recommend I'm not sure if you're a foodie or not, but I yeah, am. I am. Oh, so so I believe that for me, curiosity is always about food. Um, and also I believe curiosity, I think food is also a way of being able to introduce DEI content or whatnot, because again, you're thinking about culture. And so America is very diverse in cultural, um, different cultural contexts, but the entire world is. But guess there's one thing that we all have to do. We all have to eat. So with my own kids to really explore their curiosity is that when they come, when they visit me or I go see them, we always eat something that is different, that is unique to a particular culture. And so I've always wanted them to experience life through food and eating. And that's how the Neely Spices actually started. And so really was around flavor. And so I, I need flavor. I can't eat bland food. No, I can't. I, my body will reject it. <laughs> so, yeah, this is same. Like, that's, that's all we're going to talk. That's all yeah. I'm going to say there is okay. same. same. <laughs> now, where can everyone learn more about your spices? So, there'll be neliaspices.com. Okay. So, website for that as well. And so you can place an order online if you like to. It'll be shipped to you within three to five business days, if not sooner than that. Um, we have three blends. We have Respect, which is a Cajun blend. Um, then you have um, Loyalty, which is a smoky, spicy lemon pepper. And then you have Honesty, which is a lavender honey mustard um, blend as well. So, And the Honesty came out of, I had lavender flower because I drink lavender tea. 
um, at times. And uh, and I was craving honey mustard, um, but I didn't have any mustard. I had mustard. Uh, I, I had mustard, grounded, grounded mustard, but I didn't have like mustard sauce. So I was in the kitchen just creating, trying to figure out a good balance. And I was like, oh, I should add honey to this. And I was like, and it came out right. And I have a co-packer that re-engineered my recipes for me as well. So I can mass produce if needed. Love it, love it, love it. If you have a passion or an interest, go for it. Neil, what is one last thing that you would tell listeners that they should do in order to own the microphone? I would say it's not just being authentic, but having the courage to speak up. You can't own the microphone if you're not speaking into it. So really thinking about, hey, if I want to move my career to that next level. And so it, you have to have that courage. You have to take that first step. Um, and that's true across all things. I could not have said it better. Cornelius Dowdell, thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate it, Bridget, and thank you for the invite. For sure. And thank you to the listeners for tuning in. Until next time, make sure you always own the microphone. <laughs>